How we perceive reality in the physical world. In a mechanical medium, sound vibration is perceived in the motion of a tuning fork, a reed in a woodwind instrument, a harmonica, or the cone of a loudspeaker. In the audio spectrum, sound or pressure waves are generated by the previously mentioned vibrating structures, and in our own bodies by the vocal cords, our main transmitting instruments of communication. These pressure waves induce vibration in the structures of our eardrums, our primary mode of receiving communication. Hearing range describes the range of frequencies that can be heard by humans and other animals. The human range is commonly limited to 20 to 20,000 hertz, while several animal species can hear frequencies well beyond the range of human hearing. Some dolphins and bats can hear frequencies up to 100,000 hertz. Elephants can hear sounds at 14 to 16 hertz, while some whales can hear infrasonic sounds as low as 7 hertz in water. We have two ears, one on each side of our head, allowing us to get a relative 360-degree input from this sense to alert us to what is going on around us, even in the dark. But there's obviously much going on around us that we have no ability to perceive or have any awareness of. Moving closer to the center of our head, our two eyes are set below our forehead, directed in front of us the same way that a predator's eyes are. We perceive in the visible spectrum, the portion of the electromagnetic spectrum visible to the human eye. Electromagnetic radiation in this range is called visible light, or simply light. A typical human eye will respond to wavelengths from about 390 to 700 nanometers. In terms of frequency, this corresponds to a band in the vicinity of 430 to 770 terahertz. This spectrum does not contain all the colors that human eye and brain can distinguish. Unsaturated colors, like pink or purple variations, like magenta, are absent because they can be made only by a mix of multiple wavelengths. Colors containing only one wavelength are also called pure or spectral colors. Visible wavelengths pass through the optical window, the region of the electromagnetic spectrum that allows wavelengths to pass largely unattenuated through the Earth's atmosphere. An example of this phenomenon is that clean air scatters blue light more than red wavelengths, and so the midday sky appears blue. The optical window is also referred to as the visible window because it overlaps the human visible response spectrum. The near-infrared, NIR, window lies just out of the range of human vision, as does the medium-wavelength, IR, MWIR, window, and the long-wavelength, or far-infrared, LWIR, or FIR, window, although other animals may experience them. Newton's color circle shows the colors he associated with musical notes, which might help explain the phenomenon of synesthesia, where subjects hear color and see sound. The spectral colors, from red to violet, are divided by the notes of the musical scale, starting at D. The circle completes a full octave, from D to D. Newton's circle places red at one end of the spectrum next to violet at the other. This reflects the fact that non-spectral purple colors are observed when red and violet light are mixed. 
Newton divided the visual color spectrum into seven named colors. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. He chose the octave of seven colors out of a belief derived from the ancient Greek sophists of a connection between the colors, the musical notes, the known objects in the solar system, and the days of the week. The human eye is relatively insensitive to indigo's frequencies, and some people who have otherwise good vision cannot distinguish indigo from blue and violet. For this reason, later commentators, including Isaac Asimov, suggested that indigo should not be regarded as a color in its own right, but merely as a shade of blue or violet. However, the evidence indicates that what Newton meant by indigo and blue does not correspond to the modern meanings of those color words. Comparing Newton's observation of prismatic colors to a color image of the visible light spectrum shows that indigo corresponds to what is today called blue, whereas blue corresponds to cyan. The connection between the visible spectrum and color vision was explored by Thomas Young and Hermann von Helmholtz in the early 19th century. Their theory of color vision correctly proposed that the eye uses three distinct receptors to perceive color. Many other species can see light within frequencies outside the human visible spectrum. Bees and many other insects can detect ultraviolet light, which helps them find nectar in flowers. Plant species that depend on insect pollination may owe reproductive success to their appearance in ultraviolet light, rather than how colorful they appear to humans. Birds can also see into the ultraviolet, 300 to 400 nanometers range, and some have sex-dependent markings on their plumage that are visible only in the ultraviolet range. Many animals that can see into the ultraviolet range cannot see red light or any other reddish wavelengths. Bees' visible spectrum ends at about 590 nanometers, just before the orange wavelengths start, while birds can see some red wavelengths, although not as far into the light spectrum as humans. The popular belief that the common goldfish is the only animal that can see both infrared and ultraviolet light is incorrect, because goldfish cannot see infrared light. Similarly, dogs are often thought to be colorblind, but they've been shown to be sensitive to colors, though not as many as humans. Colors produced by visible light of a narrow band of wavelengths, monochromatic light, are called pure spectral colors. The spectrum is continuous, with no clear boundaries between one color and the next. Moving still inward, in the center of our forward-facing sensory organs is our protruding nose, which, along with our mouth, allows us to breathe, as well as functioning as our organ of smell. Many animals, particularly dogs and bears that have an acute sense of smell, have longer, extended snouts that they literally follow to survive. This organ is the site of specialized sensory receptor cells that transduce chemical substances and generate biological signals that may be in the form of an action potential if the chemoreceptor is a neuron, or in the form of a neurotransmitter that can activate a nearby nerve fiber if the chemosensor is a specialized sensory receptor cell, like the taste receptor in a taste bud, that forms the sense of smell. Olfaction has many purposes, such as the detection of hazards, pheromones, and food, 
and it integrates with other senses to form the sense of flavor. Olfaction occurs when odorants bind to specific sites on olfactory receptors located in the nasal cavity. Glomeruli aggregate signals from these receptors and transmit them to the olfactory bulb, where the sensory input interacts with parts of the brain responsible for smell identification, memory, and emotion. Often, land organisms have separate olfaction systems for smell and taste, while water-dwelling organisms typically have only one system. In vertebrates, smells are sensed by olfactory sensory neurons in the olfactory epithelium, which is made up of at least six morphologically and biochemically different cell types. The proportion of olfactory epithelium compared to respiratory epithelium, not innervated or supplied with nerves, gives an indication of the animal's olfactory sensitivity. Humans have about 10 square centimeters, 1.6 square inches, of olfactory epithelium, whereas some dogs have 170 square centimeters, 26 square inches. A dog's olfactory epithelium is also considerably more densely innervated, with a hundred times more receptors per square centimeter. In insects, smells are sensed by olfactory sensory neurons in the chemosensory sensilla, which are present in insect antenna, palps, and tarsa, but also on other parts of the insect body. Odorants penetrate into the cuticle pores of chemosensory sensilla and get in contact with insect odorant-binding proteins before activating the sensory neurons. Many animals, including most mammals and reptiles, but not humans, have two distinct and segregated olfactory systems. A main olfactory system, which detects volatile stimuli, and an accessory olfactory system, which detects fluid phase stimuli. Behavioral evidence suggests that these fluid phase stimuli often function as pheromones, although pheromones can also be detected by the main olfactory system. In the accessory olfactory system, stimuli are detected by the vomeronasal organ, located in the vomer between the nose and the mouth. Snakes use it to smell prey, sticking their tongue out and touching it to the organ. Some mammals, like dogs, make a facial expression called phlegmin to direct stimuli to this organ. The process by which olfactory information is coded in the brain to allow for proper perception is still being researched and is not completely understood. When an odorant is detected by receptors, they, in a sense, break the odorant down and the brain puts it back together for identification and perception. Recent research suggests that the average human is capable of distinguishing over one trillion unique odors. Researchers tested the psychophysical responses to combinations of over 128 unique odor molecules with combinations composed of up to 30 different component molecules and noted that this estimate is conservative and that some subjects of their research might be capable of deciphering between a thousand trillion odorants, adding that their worst performer could probably still distinguish between 80 million scents. Authors of the study concluded that the human olfactory system, with its hundreds of different olfactory receptors, far outperforms the other senses in the number of physically different stimuli 
It can discriminate. Flavor perception is an aggregation of auditory, taste, haptic, and smell sensory information. Haptic perception is the ability to grasp something. Perception in this case is achieved through the active exploration of surfaces and objects by a moving subject, as opposed to passive contact by a static subject during tactile perception. During the process of mastication, the tongue manipulates food to release odorants. These odorants enter the nasal cavity during exhalation. The olfaction of food has the sensation of being in the mouth because of coactivation of the motor cortex and olfactory epithelium during mastication. In the plant and animal kingdoms, the tendrils of plants are especially sensitive to airborne, volatile organic compounds. Parasites, such as daughter, make use of this in locating their preferred hosts and locking onto them. The emission of volatile compounds is detected when foliage is browsed by animals. Threatened plants are able to take defensive chemical measures, such as moving tannin compounds to their foliage. The importance and sensitivity of smell varies among different organisms. Most mammals have a good sense of smell, whereas most birds do not, except the tube noses like petrels and albatrosses, certain species of vultures, and kiwis. Among mammals, it's well developed in the carnivores and ungulates, which also have to be aware of each other, and in those that smell for their food, such as moles. Having a strong sense of smell is referred to as macrosmatic. It is estimated that dogs have an olfactory sense that is approximately 10,000 to 100,000 times more acute than a human's. This does not mean they are overwhelmed by smells our noses can detect. Rather, it means they can discern a molecular presence when it is in much greater dilution in the carrier, air. Scent hounds, as a group, can smell one in 10 million times more acutely than a human, and bloodhounds have the keenest sense of smell of any dogs, with noses 10 to 100 million times more sensitive than a human's. They were bred for the specific purpose of tracking humans and can detect a scent trail a few days old. The second most sensitive nose is possessed by the basset hound, which was bred to track and hunt rabbits and other small animals. Bears, like the silver-tipped grizzly found in parts of North America, have a sense of smell seven times stronger than that of the bloodhound, essential for locating food underground. Using their elongated claws, bears dig deep trenches in search of burrowing animals and nests, as well as roots, bulbs, and insects. Bears can detect the scent of food from up to 18 miles away, and because of their immense size, they often scavenge new kills, driving away predators, including packs of wolves and human hunters in the process. Fish also have a well-developed sense of smell, even though they inhabit an aquatic environment. Salmon utilize their sense of smell to identify and return to their home stream waters. Catfish use their sense of smell to identify other individual catfish and to maintain a social hierarchy. Many fish use the sense of smell to identify mating partners or to alert to the presence of food. Mammals have about a thousand genes that are coded for odor reception. Of these, only a portion are functional. 
Humans have far fewer active odoreceptor genes than other primates and other mammals. In mammals, each olfactory receptor neuron expresses only one functional odoreceptor. Odoreceptor nerve cells function like a key lock system. If the airborne molecules of a certain chemical fit into the lock, the nerve cell responds. There are, at present, a number of competing theories regarding the mechanism of odor coding and perception. According to the shape theory, each receptor detects a feature of the odor molecule. The weak shape theory, known as the ototope theory, suggests that different receptors detect only small pieces of molecules, and these minimal inputs are combined to form a larger olfactory perception, similar to the way visual perception is built up of smaller, information-poor sensations combined and refined to create a detailed overall perception. Researchers have found that a functional relationship exists between molecular volume of odorants and the olfactory neural response. The vibration theory proposed by Luca Turin posits that odor receptors detect the frequencies of vibrations of odor molecules in the infrared range by quantum tunneling. Although there's no theory yet that explains olfactory perception completely, the fact that seeing, hearing, and touch are frequency-dependent lends weight to the vibration theory.